It's the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. That's me. Greetings on this edition of the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. I am bringing my word to you today from the George Floyd Autonomous Zone in Minneapolis. Not really, but they've set one up there. And so I would look forward to weeks, days, perhaps months of rioting. A shocking case out of the Capitol building riot from federal prosecutors. And I've got an interview with Julie Kelly of American Greatness about this case. I talked with you when I filled in on KTTH in Seattle this week. And it's a shocking case of prosecutorial overreach. And I'll tell you about that coming up. Why is Black Lives Matter falling in esteem in American public opinion? A New York Times columnist has an idea about that, and we'll tell you what he says. The Derek Chauvin trial gets underway. Jurors are concerned that they'll be targeted, and I cannot imagine why. And first up, though, Donald Trump can now say, I told you so, not least which because of Prince Harry. Did you see that disastrous interview with Meghan Markle and her pet prince, Harry, on Oprah the other night? I watched it. I made my husband watch it. And I'll just make it quick because I know a lot of people just want to hear politics and what's going on and culture issues. And I'll just make it quick. I'll rip the Band-Aid off really fast. They rescue chickens from factory farms. They have a rescue chicken coop on their Montecito Mansion sprawling estate. But she wanted to make us, God, you talk about virtue signaling. Oh, well, these are factory farm rescue chickens. It's like, who even says that? I've, this is the first time I'd ever heard it. Uh, so they, they rescue chickens. Harry said he would have stayed with his family had it not been for Megan. Have a seat at the campfire and ponder that one over a few marshmallows, huh? That'll roast some marshmallows and think about that statement. And then uh, the palace and others wonder now, as a result of this interview, what fresh hell she was talking about by saying they weren't really married three days before they were, or they got married three days before they were married in the big cathedral, and everybody's going, huh? You you were? Why did she tell? Dish. And lastly, but not leastly, and please don't look up that word because I just made it up, the crown, which is to say the firm, as they call the royal family, is racist. And uh, the Queen, whose husband, Prince Philip, is in hospital, made the announcement that went something like this. I'm pretty sure. I could be paraphrasing here, but just hang with me. I love these kids and don't know what... Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I have to do the Queen accent. I love these children and I don't know what the hell they're talking about, but I will look into it. The doors are open and if you unsufferable ingrates want to come back, it is open for you. And now... I'm not sending you security, you little petulant brats. How's that? Okay, I might have totally, not accurately, portrayed the Queen's response. Um, I think, actually, I might have gotten a little my beliefs in there, so I apologize, sort of, for that. But now, remember, here's Donald Trump getting the last laugh uh, when Meghan Markle decided to tell everyone not to vote for Donald Trump. He's a bad man, red man bad, 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 mean tweets, bad. And Donald Trump was asked about it. Mr. President, uh, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle uh, chimed in on the U.S. election and essentially encouraged people to vote for Joe Biden. I wanted to get your reaction to that. I'm not a fan of hers. And uh, I would say this. 
and she probably has heard that. But uh, I wish a lot of luck to Harry because he's going to need it. And Donald Trump was right, wasn't he? Good luck, Harry. (laughs) First, it is true. This is the new news item here besides Meghan Markle and her amazing, marvelous hens that she got from um, a rescue that specializes in factory farm rescues. Does that mean they were stolen? I'm just asking because I think that's a fair question. With all the PETA people going and, you know, releasing minks and all that stuff, do you kind of wonder if maybe those quote-unquote rescues were just old chickens that they decided not to get rid of because they were too crummy for fryers? First, it's true that illegal aliens flooding over the borders right now in the south, the Mexico-U.S. border, A, are flooding over. It's out of control. B, they're coming in over the border without being checked by anyone. Well, that's not correct. By the Border Patrol for COVID. Border Patrol says, hey, we're not checking. We don't have time to check for COVID. We are overwhelmed by children, which have increased threefold in the last few weeks after Joe Biden came into office and said, come on in. Overwhelmed, we're not doing the checking. Some NGOs are doing some checking. And you know what they do? They do rapid tests on some illegal aliens at the bus station. And even if they test positive, do you know what the illegal aliens do? They get on the bus and they go elsewhere in the United States and they never plan to come to whatever hearing they've been ordered to do. Trump had totally done, well, almost totally done away with that. I say almost because you and I know people would squirt in through different places through the border without doing it properly and legally. But nevertheless, now they're coming by the bushel. They're coming by the SUV full, 25 people to an SUV. I'm not even making that up. There were like 25 people in an SUV that got hit by, I just t-boned by a semi and and 13 of them died i mean that's not even a large suv i don't know what they were doing to those people but i've got to call into the border patrol because i want to find out how they actually secrete those people in an suv like that so anyway the other the other really great thing is that they'll all get their 1400 stimulus check even though it's really your 1400 stimulus check but they're coming in through the border and nobody's checking therefore they'll be able to get signed up for the 1400 stimulus check you suckers you know what they say you cannot have a welfare system and no border security i repeat you cannot have a welfare system And not have border security, because if that is the case, as is the case now, people will swarm over the border to come get the free stuff, which they were doing before Trump. Remember, Trump was having Mexico hold on to these folks. Okay. In addition to the other things that uh, the illegal aliens getting the $1,400 stimulus checks like, you know, my kids would get if they decided to apply for them, the... um, New bill that was passed by the House this week has money for everyone. There are reparations for African-American farmers. Yes, they've already done that before, by the way. I'm not sure if they keep growing uh, people who have been direct descendants of slaves. I keep thinking we've done this before. And every time they talk about such a program, it's always the African-American farmers that are direct descendants of slaves. It's just interesting. Here's something else that the the stimulus bill does that's supposed to be COVID relief. Remember the whole COVID relief thing? You know, that was a lie. A big old fat 
one big old curve ball right over the home plate. Hope somebody gets a get a, gets a fat bat on that. But unlikely if you're depending on the media to at least get a hit or a single off of that, because it would mean that they actually understand that it's not about COVID relief. Okay, so in the National Review. They've put together a list, sort of a cursory list of things that the quote-unquote COVID relief helps with. The bailout of cities like San Francisco, whose, I read here, $650 million budget shortfall predated the pandemic. So it's a blue state bailout. Do you support, it asks here, the Democrats' plan to give $570 million in taxpayer dollars to teachers' union for emergency leave pay? Or how about the bailout of 185 union pension plans, which I mentioned? Do you believe rescue should, this is COVID rescue now, set up a $570 million family leave account exclusively for federal workers to pay federal employees who have kids out of school up to $21,000 per person. How about a, a bill that spends a third of proposed funding, about $700 billion in 2022 or later, rather than right now? Do you support a COVID relief bill that allocates $852 million to civic volunteer groups that do not create any jobs and do not provide any relief for coronavirus-related issues? This is what I'm reading in the National Review. Do you support giving $50 million in taxpayer funding for abortions? That's what this bill does. This is not a COVID relief bill. It is a huge blockbuster spendulous that our great-grandkids are going to have to pay off. How about this? The Wall Street Journal reports that only 7% of the American Rescue Plan's $1.9 trillion is directed to programs that directly help alleviate the pandemic. Directly. The rest of it is fluff. Do you believe that an emergency relief bill should allocate over $30 billion for grants to the Federal Transit Administration to fund projects that have nothing to do with COVID? Or how about they ask over here at the National Review uh, that the American Rescue Plan should include additional bailouts and subsidies for Obamacare exchanges because they're having a difficult time attracting customers and wanting funnel money into that to keep it afloat when at least most sentient beings want it destroyed. How's this one? That Congress should find a bipartisan consensus before passing one of the most expensive bills in U.S. history? That's not a bad question. National Review, huzzah, huzzah for you guys bringing it up. I mean, I'm very happy to do that. $1,400 stimulus payments to illegal aliens. And not only that, because they're generally very low-skilled workers. They make low pay. And as a result, if in fact they're given a temporary temporary uh, taxpayer identification number, TIN, they will possibly, unless they're, unless they're stealing somebody's Social Security number, which they often do, because that's uh, what the cartels manage to get them hooked up with, then what happens is, what happens in there is that they will get a refundable tax credit. Can't You just can't make this stuff up. I, I don't know what they think this does to help America. How does this help America again? 
open up the friggin' economy and get the hell out of the way. And then let us discuss what else our tax dollars can do. It is a, it's an abomination. Washington State, they are talking about what is tantamount to an income tax. Washington State currently does not have an income tax. It, like Arizona and Florida, do not have income taxes. Income taxes are one of those bizarre things that happen when you want to, for whatever reason, try to get people not to work. To work. It's a disincentive. I mean, in its most bizarre way, it, it is. Nevertheless, yes, it, I know some of you are saying, no, it isn't. A lot of people will do anything they can to hide that income. And in fact, do. Which brings us to uh, not a very good segue, but it's the Chauvin trial. So you probably don't know Derek Chauvin's name particularly well, but you do know George Floyd's name. And outside the courtroom, the courthouse in Minneapolis, is where all the protesters have now gathered to chant beat on their drums, and to encourage people to at least make sure that Derek Chauvin goes into the big house. Because it's not about justice, it's about just us. Derek Chauvin, the officer, now former officer, charged with putting his knee on the neck of George Floyd in a horrendous, horrendous situation, which someone caught on video, which is a good thing, and we all get to see what happened, except you don't see what happened before when George Floyd um, fought with cops. It took four four cops to subdue him, or more than that. And so they did subdue him, got him in flex cuffs, and he kept fighting, according to police, Police have been known to lie, but according to police, and by that time, there were a lot of witnesses around. So perhaps they might be called to the trial of Derek Chauvin. He puts his knee on his neck for nine minutes, and George Floyd can be heard, I can't breathe, and I'm having difficulty. And it is true. He was having difficulty. He, he, He was having difficulty because... He was being subdued by police because he had just fought with a bunch of police and the police knew who he was in all likelihood because the guy was a person who came into contact fairly often with officers and had just passed a fraudulent $20 bill so he could buy some cigarettes and do whatever. And apparently, this was an early report, do not know if this actually panned out, but there was a ring that was supplying the fake money and were asking people to, you know, spread it around a little bit. And so he would get the cigarettes that he wanted, get the change and real money. And, you know, he was um, he was up. He was up in the game. OK, so that's the story. That's the story. Um, so what we have in this case is people being called to be jurors in this case in Minneapolis. Why is it being held in Minneapolis after $1 billion damage was done and losses incurred due to arson, rioting, looting, and mayhem? 19 people were shot in the aftermath of the George Floyd riots, riots which metastasized like a cancer to places such as Portland, Oregon, 
and Seattle, Washington, and Los Angeles, and other places where so-called peaceful protests started and ended up somehow, oddly, really weird, in riots, which ultimately ended up in arson and looting. Shocking. And the problem is, there are multiple problems, but many Black-owned businesses got burned down in the aftermath, just as they did in Ferguson, Missouri, when the misinformation, disinformation, went out to the masses about Michael Brown. You know, the college-bound, 300-pound-plus, six-foot-four behemoth of a man, though he was still a teenager, coming after that officer and grabbing his gun, or at least attempting to. The officer had the presence of mind to shoot first. As he was being hit about the face and head by Michael Brown. Lie and lie and lie. And I have a feeling that this is something that's going to happen in the Chauvin case. Yes, we have video. That is not the whole story. And I'll tell you something else. I'm not saying that this horrendous incident um, uh, the, the, the finds that Derek Chauvin innocent. It, it very well may, may be. That knee hold that he did, and he looked so nonplussed about it, sort of nonchalant about it as he did it with people taking video on their cell phones. That was a bona fide police hold they have in the training manual. And when that comes out and somebody didn't know that, and they're shocked when he's let off because he complied with training, somebody's going to get passed. Sure, he was he was fired along with other officers. They felt that he had a depraved indifference to what was going on, that he didn't properly listen to George Floyd when he was under his knee saying, hey, I can't breathe, I can't breathe, I can't breathe. And maybe he will be found guilty of that if they allow that particular charge to come in, which is in dispute in court. But let me tell you something else that perhaps you don't know about the George Floyd case. And it's this, the guy was as high as a kite on fentanyl and had a massive dose in his body, and likely would have gone home and died from that. Not to say that hastening a death by a police activity is any in any way okay. I am not saying that. What I am saying is he might have been in the throes of dying and indeed had a heart attack at the time. Also, he had tested positive for COVID. So George Floyd's death is a COVID case. 20 bucks says he went on the record as a COVID death, since we're all lying about those now. You know, they, you, you know that, right? Yes, I know you do. And so I have just given you two examples of how the misdirection, miscommunication, and all of that stuff having to do with the George Floyd case, as well as the Michael Brown case. And let's bring in Breonna Taylor. Breonna Taylor, people continue to say she was murdered. She was murdered. She was killed, likely by, an, in fact, an officer's bullet. The problem is her boyfriend shot first. And I'm going to tell you something what happens when, the, when you do that first. Officers shoot back. And if it's your boyfriend doing the shooting and you're standing next to your boyfriend who's doing the shooting, I'm going to tell you something. 
you're not going to do very well in those circumstances. You either better just dive for cover or you're going to get shot. And she did. But the story with that was that she was in bed when the police came with a quote-unquote no-knock warrant, opened up, and then just started shooting because all they do is, is shoot and murder black people, right? We never heard about the boyfriend for a long, long time. We just said, oh, she was alone. She was alone in bed. The police just came in on a no-knock warrant. They got the wrong house. It was the wrong place. No, wrong. They did intend to go to her apartment. And you know why? Because that was a place where it was known drug activity. And not only that, the no-knock warrant had her address on it. And the cops knocked. The neighbor said so. And when they came, and I'm sure that she and her boyfriend were freaking out, he, after all, was a drug dealer and probably had been threatened by lots of thugs. Cops come in. They're on a drug case. They come in. He, the boyfriend, shoots first. Breonna Taylor dies. Now, there are some people out there who still, to this day, do not know that story. And I think it goes a long way towards explaining why the Black Lives Matter group as an entity has lost so much prestige since its inception in, I think it was the Trayvon Martin sort of bubbling and then came into full flower after the Michael Brown case. That's when people knew about Black Lives Matter. That's when it really flourished. And I read here from a column by Charles Blow in the New York Times, and he's talking about how Black Lives Matter has fallen in repute and prestige, saying a USA Today Ipsos poll on Friday found just 28 percent of white Americans believe that what happened to George Floyd was murder. That was down from 55 percent in June. Why does this matter? It matters because I think... I think they're sick and tired of people lying because, oh, well, wait a minute now. So George Floyd was hepped up on drugs, including overwhelmingly fentanyl and THC. We had a bunch of THC in his system, like Michael Brown did. Michael Brown had so much THC in his system, he was hallucinating. Now, I'm not sure that's really anyone else's fault. Certainly not the cop's fault. And so people are upset I believe, on a more visceral level that they keep getting lied to about these cases. They, it's just like Lucy and the football. It's like they hear about a case, they grow enraged over the case, and then only later is it discovered that it's not really the way they said it was. They call murder that which is a police action and shoot or get shot. And I'm sorry, but that doesn't qualify as a murder. That just doesn't. But Charles Blow has another answer. He says white people are to blame for Black Lives Matter loss in prominence. Try that. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. Pretty amazing, isn't it? Pretty amazing. Ah, so let's go over to um, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy from California. He's doing a um, he's doing a special reading having to do with the climate of 
cancel culture. I do not like them, Sam I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. Would you like them here or there? I would not like them here or there. I would not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. Would you like them in a house? Would you like them with a mouse? I do not like them in a house. I do not like them with a mouse. I do not like them here or there. I do not like them anywhere. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam I am. And you're welcome. I just had to sort of lighten the, the, lighten the mood here a little bit. Joe Biden's dogs, he's got two. He's got one that, quote unquote, a rescue. And the other one is his old his old buddy. They're both German shepherds. And you're not going to believe this. But the new German shepherd who just moved, I guess, what, two or three times now? Uh, his latest house was the White House. And um, so Major, the new dog, bit like a Secret Service guy. Yeah, I'm not going to. It's really not going to fly. Uh, Major's been sent to dog Gitmo. Sorry about Major. That's a bummer. He was adopted from a Delaware animal shelter and by the president's family in November 2018. Reportedly sent to Delaware last week after showing what described as aggressive behavior with a White House staff member. That's sad. We adopted our dogs from different places. I wouldn't say that, you know how it is. One was definitely a rescue. I mean, she needed a home, right? Okay, great. The other one was she's going to get a home and we're just going to be that home. Okay, here's the story of double standard justice that's ongoing in Washington, D.C. after the Capitol riots. Julie Kelly of the American Greatness website wrote about this recently. I was absolutely horrified at the actions by federal prosecutors in this case, as will you be. And I'm going to follow up on this story. You can better believe it. I will try to get in touch with this family and I will continue to follow up on this story. And you need to know that because you will be shocked at what you hear. Julie Kelly, welcome to the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft. How are you? I'm good, Victoria. Thanks for having me today. I very much appreciate you coming on. I got a look at your story about the Kua family in Georgia and how their 18-year-old son, homeschooled son, is sitting in a federal prison cell with 30 other people awaiting trial because he was one of the people who got inside the Capitol on January 6th. Now, the way he's being treated is stunning. Tell us a little bit about uh, Bruno Joseph Kua, if you would, and tell us what's happened to him. Sure. So Bruno and, uh, Bruno and his parents traveled to Washington, D.C. on January 5th to hear the president's speech, obviously, the next day. Um, as you said, he is homeschooled. He's an 18-year-old senior finishing up his online classes. His mother is a veterinarian who quit her full-time job to stay home and homeschool and raise her children. They've been married 20-some-odd years. By all accounts, very stable family life. In They live on a three-acre farm in central Georgia. And so they traveled together to hear the president's speech. They started walking towards the Capitol. 
Um, and Bruno went inside. Well, first he was on the scaffolding outside of the building and then went inside the building. Uh, his parents stayed outside. They were trying to reach him, find out where he was, because as you probably know, a lot of the cell service in that area was shut down that day. Um, he came out. They left that night. He was arrested uh, by FBI agents in Atlanta on February 6th. He faces a 12-count indictment by a grand jury, including six felonies, three of which are related to possessing a dangerous and deadly weapon, which we can get into that. He has remained behind bars since February 6th, uh, uh, transferred to Washington, D.C., where all of the defendants are being transferred to. And uh, the government is arguing that he is a threat to his community and to the country, and he needs to stay behind bars before his trial begins. What horribleness did he engage in on January 6th? Right. So there's no question he engaged in some bad behavior. He should not have been in the building. He was in the Senate chambers at one point. Um, But the punishment, and this is obviously he is guilty until proven innocent, because this is how this investigation is going down at the Department of Justice. It's just an egregious political persecution of Trump supporters, including young people. Um, So he is accused of three felony charges of possessing a deadly or dangerous weapon, which was a small collapsible baton, hand baton. He never used it. He never hit anyone with it. He didn't assault a police officer with it. He didn't even tap a window with it. Um, But they are, as you know, trying to create this idea this was an armed insurrection. So uh, they will label anything that anyone has as a dangerous or deadly weapon. So, But what's even more outrageous, Victoria, is how they are treating the parents as criminals Mm -hmm. as well. Um, And even threaten to charge them with trespassing at the Capitol that day. So his whole family is on trial. It's just, it's really just a travesty what's happening. No mercy for his parents. Uh, In fact, it is their belief system, if you will, their political beliefs, their typical, I mean, they're with millions of people who think there was something particularly hinky that went on in the 2020 election. And that is being sort of held over their heads like a sword and dared, they're dared to speak about that. And if they do say that, yeah, they think Trump won, or if they think that something happened f- with the election, that that will operate against this kid, this Bruno Kua, who is 18 years old, and his parents. And he can't go home because his parents are perceived to be some dangerous threat. Please explain all that. So it's not just Bruno's case. I've read through a lot of these charging documents. They've arrested almost 300 people related to what happened on January 6th. The government prosecutors and even some of the judges in refusing to allow family to post bond or bail for these defendants actually are citing in their charging documents or in their rulings that the fact that these defendants question the outcome of the 2020 election, that they do not view Joe Biden as the legitimately elected president of the United States. Therefore, 
They will not follow any of the laws set down in the country because, of course, if you doubt the legitimacy of the president being fairly elected, then that means that you're just a lawless criminal and you'll violate, uh, you know, the rules of the land, which, of course, is, is not the case at all. But this is actually part of the evidence the government prosecutors and judges are using against these defendants. And we now have dozens of people who are being held without any chance of posting bail uh, to be released pre-trial. Now, Victoria, also, these trials are being delayed because of COVID. Bruno's trial won't begin until May at the very earliest because there's no trials going on. In, in de- everything is virtual, obviously. Mm-hmm. So even the judge has said, you know, this is May at the earliest. At that point, he will have been in jail for three months, a high school senior, Uh, Mm -hmm. And the evidence against him, furthermore, is really sketchy. But what's really outrageous, too, are the comments that the uh, government lawyers have made against his mom, Joseph, uh, his parents, Joseph and and Elise. Now, let's just step back just for a second and just go over the assault on the police officer, because this is one of the things that they claimed uh, that Bruno did when he was attacking the Capitol building, which is to say he uh, he climbed the scaffolding, got in, didn't break in, apparently, according to his own attorney. But now um, what we have here is a cop who doesn't actually think he had anything to do with it. The cop, the police officer, allegedly, who was assaulted by Bruno, uh, could not identify any of his assailants, uh, allegedly. They claim that Bruno pushed one of these officers. I saw the evidence. Apparently, they would not, the prosecutors would not let uh, Bruno's uh, lawyers also see the video evidence that they claim to have. So all they're saying is that he pushed one of these officers or he was part of a mob that pushed an officer. That's the extent of his charge for uh, assaulting or interfering or resisting a federal uh, law enforcement official. Really not a very sketchy evidence. He didn't use the baton. He didn't use a deadly weapon, as they call it, um, at all. And so they've really stacked these charges against all of these defendants. Um, but, you know, I think it's important for your listeners to know that one of the lawyers brought up the fact that because Bruno is homeschooled, he has, quote unquote, ingested his parents' political beliefs, and therefore they are unfit guardians to take him back into custody as he awaits trial. That is the most chilling aspect of this case. What's in their head? We are now prosecuting thought crimes against people mm-hmm. who haven't been charged with anything. That's exactly it. These are charges of thought crimes. And what's, uh, you know, Merrick Garland, who's the uh, prospective attorney general, and also Lisa Monaco, who is, will be uh, his deputy. Her confirmation hearings were today. They both have insisted that this January 6th investigation, DOJ manhunt, national manhunt for anyone who was in the Capitol that day, will be their top priority. Now, Lisa Monaco was an it was a top Obama advisor. She was one of the early architects of the Russian collusion hoax. She is known to wield her p- political power, government power, against political foes. She should not be back in the Justice Department, especially right wow. now. Yes, so they're just going to accelerate this uh, political prosecution against Trump supporters in hopes of getting to the pres- to the former president, by the way. Oh, yeah, this is all the same kind of deal they ran with the Russian collusion thing, go out and 
check out people who are on the outside circle and hope that they can connect the president, former president, somehow with this fraud. And I mean, it was not a good situation on January 6th. And no, and that shall not be gainsaid. It it was not. Uh, But neither is it a big thing to have some bunches of people walk through the Capitol when they've been allowed in. Is he the, one of the persons, because he's not said to have pushed his way in necessarily or crashed his way in to the Capitol building per se. In fact, he was there afterwards. And are they really sure how he got in? I don't believe that the documents really specify how he got in, but they do have photographs of him just walking through the hallways. Um, and mm-hmm. that's where they identified that he had this small baton, which he admitted that he had, and his parents said that he did have. Um, it's also another exchange between one of the government lawyers and Mr. Kua, who was uh, testifying, obviously, on behalf of his son, said that um, he and Bruno attended a post-election rally about, um, you know, protesting the election results. And the prosecutor actually condemned Joseph uh, Kua for bringing his son. And when he said, you know, we were asking for the real results of the election, this prosecutor looked at him and said, you realize that's not true, don't you? And of course, Mr. Kua said, yes, now I realize it's not true because you can't tell these government lawyers now that, yes, I doubt the outcome of the election because that's prosecutable crime now. But these are the conversations that are happening between judges, lawyers, and defendants, and now their parents. Things have not necessarily gone well, obviously, for this kid, this 18-year-old kid in prison awaiting trial. What's happened to him? So the first three weeks, he was in solitary confinement, according to his parents. Because of COVID, he was transferred to a jail cell with 30 other people in Oklahoma City, then transferred to Washington, D.C. He has recently tested positive for COVID, so the judge wants to keep him in jail at least another 10 days to quarantine. But um, an Atlanta news outlet reported that Bruno had been assaulted in jail by uh, an adult inmate, uh, punched in the face, I believe, with some of the reporting so, you know, things are just going from bad to worse for this for this young young man, this high school senior and his family. I can't even imagine how his mother sleeps at night, but she probably um, doesn't. Probably she not. She probably doesn't. Do, uh, has he ever been in trouble with the law before? No, he has not. He had according to the charging documents, he had a few run-ins with the local police. He lives on a farm, so he's an SUV. I guess he used it on not SUV like um what do you, ATV, Tractor? and so oh, he yeah. had it on like a neighbor's property who they don't get along with. I guess he got in trouble for flying. He would organize Trump truck rallies in his community, and so I guess he got in trouble for going 15 miles an hour in a parking lot trying to fly his flag. And so you could imagine some of that is politicized as well. But no, he's never been in trouble in trouble with the law, arrested, or he he does not have any kind of of criminal record. Unbelievable. Just unbelievable. Last week in Portland, the U.S. attorney that's been put there by Joe Biden announced that fully one third of the people who were brought in on federal charges for the riots, 120 days of riots, assaults, attempting to burn the federal building in downtown Portland would have their charges dropped. And, and and one of the reasons they said, to their credit, if in fact that's true, and I have my doubts, but nevertheless, they said, hey, if there's not enough evidence and we don't 
seem to think we have enough evidence to convict. We're dropping them because ain't nobody got time for that. Okay, fine. And Dandy, I'm not entirely sure they're telling us the truth, though, especially since they're going after with such vigor the people who did the same. In fact, um, you know, I guess it scared more people of power, but did less damage in some ways to the Capitol building. That's exactly right. And you know what, Victoria, this is what a lot of Americans understand. This prosecution is not happening in a vacuum. They see how these defendants are being treated far differently than all the so-called peaceful protesters over the summer. I mean, you had hundreds, if not thousands of protesters who occupied the nation's capital for months, um, you know, destroyed property, occupied, uh, you know, grounds right in front of the White House, harassed openly in public, uh, senators like Rand Paul and his wife in public. Um, but almost all of those charges by the same prosecutors, the same judges have been dropped, completely dismissed. Um, but yet here we have people who, yes, were engaged in bad behavior. Go ahead. They should be charged with crimes accordingly. They should be punished accordingly. But these people are being treated like mass murderers. Double standard justice. Mm-hmm. Well, they got away, they've gotten away with it for years, and so now it's going to be on steroids now that Biden has his people, well, he has Obama's people in the Justice Department, but it's going to get a lot worse. I think you're right, and I'm sorry to say that. I'm sorry to have to agree with that, but Julie Kelly, thank you so much for coming on the Adult in the Room podcast, and I hope that all of these charges that need to be dropped are dropped, and I feel very bad for the Kua family. There it is, this week's edition of the Adult and the Room podcast. Be listening for me on Terrestrial Radio, and I'll be back here next time when we also offer up one of our last editions of Antifa versus Mike Strickland. Get in touch with me, Victoria, at victoriataft.com. Find me on all social media at Victoria Taft, as well as the Adult in the Room podcast. Find me on Instagram under that name, and Adult in the on Twitter. Give us a five-star rating. Please do. We're playing the algorithm game, and we ask that you do that if you like this program. Or even if you don't, give me a five-star rating and a good review on Apple. (laughs) And I'll see you next time on the Adult in the Room podcast. Editing, mastering, advertising, technical support, and understanding for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. The music is gospel by the March 4th Band of Portland, Oregon. Music for the case of Mike Strickland is Ride or Die by RC, and it is used by permission. Find RC on all social sites at Raps by RC, Apple, Spotify, YouTube, and Instagram at Raps by RC. Imaging for the Adult in the Room podcast with Victoria Taft is by 1A Cast. Logo by Hageman Creative. Find him on Instagram. Photo of Victoria Taft is by Hilly Collective. The Adult in the Room podcast is produced by Flamingo Road Studios. All rights reserved. <laughs>